Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. The Nehemiah Institute, it's a Christian-based organization that over the years has uh, it's provided worldview tests. Worldview. What's your worldview, right? And they do that for Christian high schools and, and uh, college students. And uh, they, they sometimes do it just for uh, Christian high schoolers that are in like youth groups and things like that. One of the tests is called the Peers Test, P-E-E-R-S. The test is structured to identify a person's worldview concerning politics, economics, education, religion, and social issues. The test has four worldview outcomes. And after finishing the test, you, the student, the Christian student, identify as as, as one of these outcomes. You either possess a biblical theistic view, that your worldview is biblically theistic. You possess a moderate Christian view, a secular humanist view or a socialist view. Now, over the last 32 years, this test has been given to over 125,000 students who identify as Christian. So so who's the audience? It's believers. 125,000 students who profess to be Christian who identify as Christian, over the last 32 years have been, have been tested. From their findings, it was discovered that over 90% of all self-identifying Christians hold to a secular humanist worldview. Did you guys hear that? That of the 90% of the 125,000, what are we talking about, like uh, 113,000, 112,000, something like that, that 112,000 of these students, that the way they naturally process this test and the way they responded to these questions is, and the way that they were graded is that they held to a secular humanist worldview. And the remaining 10% held predominantly that was left to a moderate Christian worldview. And for the few that were left, those held to a biblical theistic worldview. Do those numbers surprise you? Does that surprise you that, that this, 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 this test, this like think tank... And all they're trying to do is gauge, really, how the world is influencing the youth who profess to be Christians today. How the world system is influencing you and I. Of the 125,000 Christian students, over 100 and maybe 10 to 12,000 Actually, the way that they look at the world is through a secular lens. It's through a humanist lens. Two weeks ago, there was an article written for Christianity Today. The premise of this article was to show how our our grasp on biblical theology is slipping. But the whole article was, was, was based upon showing, like, listen, listen, y'all, our understanding of, of biblical theology, it's not what it once was. <laughs> We're slipping. 
To begin, it's stated that of the Christians they surveyed, okay, I already gave you the example of the test. We've, we've established that, that for the most part, American Christianity and the youth of today and tomorrow, we are subscribing to a secular worldview. But now in this, this article that was written for Christianity Today, of the Christians that they surveyed, 26% of believers do not believe that the Bible is literally true. One in four. One in four. 25%. In fact, it's 26%. 26% of believers, self-professing believers, do not believe that the Bible is literally true. The researchers provided this note, and I think I have it up there. This view makes it easy for individuals to accept biblical teaching that they resonate with, while simultaneously rejecting any biblical teaching that is out of step with their own personal views or broader cultural values. Well, isn't that interesting? Truer words haven't been spoken. I like the Bible when it agrees with me. I like the Bible when it makes sense to my political, social, economic, cultural construct. Secondly, it was found that more than 56% of evangelical respondents said that God accepts all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 56% of evangelicals. That's over half, y'all. 56% say... Of the, of, the, of the 200 and what, 50 to 60 people that are in this room, it'd be like, we'd be split. Half of you it would be like, you know, I don't know, I think God accepts all religions. All roads lead to heaven, right? What, what that does when we consider that, 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 that statistic is that we are thus declaring as Christians that Jesus is not the only way to God. And th these are supposed Christians, which, which one would argue that we might have some problems. 73% of self-identifying evangelicals say Jesus was created by God. 43% say Jesus is not God, of Christians, which we now understand that could be debatable. 43% of individuals who say they are Christian and who were graded, tested, surveyed say that Jesus is not God. He was a great teacher, but he was not God, which effectively denies the divinity of Christ, which effectively denies your salvation. 60% say that the Holy Spirit is not a personal being, more so he is a force. Now that's interesting, especially as it relates to all of the things that I was discussing with you yesterday, isn't it? How much of this we are discussing energy healing or energy concepts or even, even dumb stuff like Star Wars and these movies that we like and we watch that speaks of the force. You guys know how influenced we are by these other religions and philosophies and dogmas and ideas. Sure enough, we're going to say the Holy Spirit's a force, right? That's what my cartoons showed me. That's what the movies I watch show me. We're viewing our faith through a secular humanist worldview, not through the view of Scripture but through the view of what the world tells us to think. And lastly, 57% of evangelicals believe that, that people are not sinful by nature. 57%, not of adults, of self-professing evangelicals. Here is the provided quote. Yeah, it says, 
Everyone sins a little, but more people are good by nature. Oh, yeah, I mean, we all sin. We, 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 all, we, we all sin. Let's be honest, though, but, but, but most of us, we're, you're good people. You're good. And see, see, what happens is we're beginning to allow the world to be our Sunday school teacher. The world is now being our instructor, and we're just like hook, line, and sinker, just taking it in. And oh, guys, if we, if we can, please hear me when we read Psalm 119, 126. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. It is time, O oh God, to work, because I have made void thy law. I've made it void. I've been listening to the world. I've been listening to my flesh. I've been listening to the devil. I've been listening to all these voices except the voice of God that is found in the precepts of his word. Oh God, we need you. Move, work. For we have made void your law. Guys, it's time for us to understand that our churches are not above these statistics. Do not be fooled. Who hath bewitched you? Who tricked you? Do not believe for a second that our churches are above or better or past these statistics. The moment you do that, you will fall. The church today is in bad shape. It's full of wolves and imposters. Those who are devouring and deceiving the flock. And because we don't have a handle on the scriptures, this nonsense is allowed to go on in perpetuity. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 through 4 says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be what? Corrupted from the simplicity that is found in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with them. Guys, I'm telling you, I've heard this even in our churches when things that are not biblical get brought up, when when things that that are extra biblical, I've heard people say, well, I don't know. I mean, I know God works in the body. I know, I know God does things like that. Well, I don't know. And you know what you're doing? You're like, well, who am I to say? Who am I to judge? I don't know. Yeah, that's the problem, is that you don't know. It's time we get educated once again, church. Well, what am I, who am I to judge? We don't, I don't know, we don't know. Are you guys following me? The problem is, 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 it, is, that, is that we don't know and that we need to know and that we need to be able to give an answer and we need to be able to say, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's not the Bible, that's not Jesus, that's not the gospel, that's not the cross, that's not my sin, that's not my eternal security, that's not baptism, that's not my faith. Wait a second, where are you getting that? But the problem is because we don't know truth, we have stepped away from the pulpit of grace and we've allowed any sucker who comes here to say, listen, check, check, 
is this thing on? I got something to say. And we're all like, go for it. Because we're not willing to stand behind this. We're not willing to stand in the gap. Brothers and sisters, who is willing to stand in the gap? To call this spirit of Antichrist what it is. Isaiah 29.10 says, For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. Can you not see that this is the spirit of our age? The church is asleep. The church is asleep. We are asleep in our Bible-believing churches. Oh, yeah, those churches out there. Man, you gotta, you got to time out just for a second. Don't worry about all the other churches and what they're doing. Worry about what God is doing in your local church with the people that are with you who you are linking arms with. Oh, yeah, those churches. We know those churches. They're, they're, they're messed up. Watch out. Watch out. Isaiah 29, 13, it continues. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Lord, help that not be us. O God, make it so that our words of worship truly are a reflection of our longing hearts, May it be that our feet would move to the rhythm of your word, that our sincere study would support our service, and that our service would sway the lost to the Savior. Jeremiah 10, 23 and 24. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. May we be brave enough and bold enough to say, Lord, I don't know the way. I don't, I don't know it. God, I need your help. May we not be so arrogant and lofty in our, in, our, in our considerations of who we are. May we humbly come before his word on a daily basis and say, God, you know that for me, I don't know the way, but I know that in your book that you will show me. So God, help me. Today, show me the way today. Lord, I don't know the way. I'm just a child. I don't know between my left hand and my right hand. So, oh God, would, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me the wisdom from your word? God, I'm willing for you to lead me. May we be like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 133, who says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Oh God, order my steps. Make the path clear. Make it straight. As I look around in this room, I believe I am right now standing in a room that is capable of changing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is not hyperbole. I believe right now as I look at this audience and I look at this people, many of you know, many of, many of you I know personally, I believe sincerely that if we would truly take with sober hearts and a broken spirit, contrite before the Lord, that God would use this people, this room, you, to change the world. I believe it. The problem is, God's not passing us by, is that we keep passing him by. Because listen, we're just not that interested. We got a lot of things going on. What keeps rattling in my head over and over again is it's time for thee, O Lord, to work. 
It's time for thee, O Lord, to work. It's time for thee, O Lord, to work. O God, work. Move in me. O God, please do a work in this place tonight. Have your spirit move in such a way to where we can see you. We can see you, God. We can see your word as it should be seen. That we would no longer be led by this humanistic, secular worldview that is just dumping nonsense into us every single day as we continue to scroll and allow it to feed us all of it over and over and over again. May we finally get to a place where we begin to eschew those things away from our, from our lives to realize, what am I doing? I am a child of God. I'm bought with a price, therefore I am to glorify God with this body which belongs to him. Oh God, I'm ready, work, move, do, whatever it is, use me, Lord. I pray that the Spirit of God would show us even tonight. I, I, I pray that as we open his word, as we, as we lay our heads on the pillows, as we rise the next day, God, show me who you are. Show me what your word says so that I can live and walk it out. This evening, I truly believe that I am looking at future pastors, missionaries, future church planters, individuals who are going to disciple small group leaders, individuals who are going to take the next step to rock this nation and this world for the gospel. Dream big. Your dream is too small. Dream big. If that is the case, like with Dan, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I believe it for you or for Brandon or for maybe some of the leaders in here. But Dan, you, you don't know me. I got, I got a past. I, I think we talked about that this morning. God's plan is bigger than your past. Who do you think you are to trump the almighty, powerful, living God? And he spits at your past. If this is the case, if we are right now in a room, if this is a church planting retreat, if this is a missions retreat, if this is a, 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 a pastoral retreat, if this is a pastoral wives retreat, if this is a deacons retreat, if this is a, a children's pastor's retreat, children's ministry's retreat, small group retreat, whatever, if this is that retreat, if that is the case, then what are we going to do right now? What are we going to do now? If that is the case, and if you have even an inkling of faith that God wants to do that in your life, or at, at the very least in the life of the person you're discipling, if you have even just a measure of faith, then what are you going to do, not tomorrow, now, right now, what are you going to do? Because if that's the case, we got a very serious question on our hands, and we got to start getting really strategic and really focused on the task at hand, because the world's a big world, but yet I believe in this room, we absolutely could touch it with the gospel. What are we going to do tonight? What decisions are you going to make? Stop waffling. Your life is so boring. Let's make it exciting. The cool thing is, is we have a plan. Link arms with us because I'm telling you for the last 20, 30 years of my life, it's been exhilarating. I'm not bored. It's too rich. It's too amazing. It's too wonderful. And I'm an idiot. You guys are much smarter, much more holy, wise, loving, kind, empathetic, gracious. Man, if God can use a sucker like me, what could he do with you? I mean that. How powerful could God move in all of you? What are you going to do tonight? Uh, we're just going through a message right now, aren't we? You're not even asking the question, are you? That was rhetorical. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. What are we going to do right now before that day comes? I can't wait. Maybe someday I'll be a pastor. No, you won't. Not if it's always someday. Maybe someday I'll, I'll be able to lead others in, in, in evangelism and discipleship. Maybe someday I'll, get, I'll be a part of FOI. 
Maybe someday I'll be a part of a, of a church plant. Maybe someday I'll, I'll move to Vietnam. Maybe someday, man, that sounds really cool, doesn't it? Moving to Vietnam. Wow, that's exciting. Boy, that'd be great. And what we do is we keep playing these games. Man, maybe someday. And we just love to dream. We love dreaming. Stop dreaming for a second. Let's make some decisions right now. If God, you truly want to use me in some manner in your kingdom, God, how do you want to use me right now? Before that day comes, what should I be doing today? How will we prepare today for the ministry that God has planned for us tomorrow? Because if you keep waiting for tomorrow, guess what? Tomorrow's not coming. And what should I say right now? Right now, as I stand before you, what should I say to this great assembly tonight? What should those words be? How do we move forward when the way sometimes feels unknown? Because isn't that the problem? Sometimes we don't know what's next. I'm at the burning bush, and I'm like, I'm, I'm intrigued, I'm curious, I'm walking forward, and I'm kind of like, okay, taking my shoes off, and I'm, I'm approaching this place of extreme holiness beyond measure, but I have no idea what's next. That's okay. Because, see, the thing is, is if it's God's plan, it's his plan, and he's going to direct you. And, man, he's going he's gonna to bring things into your life that you would have never thought you would have heard, especially when he says, I'm going to have you go to Pharaoh. Weep, 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 weep. <laughs> what? Man, that was so great. I don't think I've, I've, I've processed that to, to, to the degree that I was thinking this morning, just like, well, that was big. And I'm sure Moses would have been like, oh, man, God, this whole bush thing was awesome. <laughs> um, I'm still kind of processing how you're doing it, but I'm super impressed. But the Pharaoh thing, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little much. Man, uh, listen, it's okay to be in that place. It's okay to not know. It's unknown. When the, when the particular details are not clear, when someone says, man, we want to see everyone discipling people, and you're going, yeah, what's that mean? You know what it means? Take a step forward. Sign up for discipleship. Sign up to be a part of a small group. Take the next step. I finished with discipleship. That was great. The person who, who led me did such a great job. And they encouraged me to take D2 to where I could learn how to become a disciple maker. I don't feel like I'm qualified. Bingo, you're not. Good job. But I, I, think, I think, man, I'm, I'm being encouraged by, by my small group leader, by my pastor, by my discipler. And, and they're saying, man, move forward. Keep taking steps of faith. Keep doing it. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. I'm so, I'm so in awe of what God is doing. Keep going. Yeah, but I kind of messed up. I know, that was crazy. <laughs> but, but let's do it again. Hey, sometime I'll take you out. I got some stories to tell you <laughs> where I've messed up royally. Let's just keep going, though. And you know what sometimes it is? It's just a series of trips, <laughs> falling forward, stumbling, where, I, you know, but I'm making it. I'm moving forward. It may look crazy, and everyone's like, huh, that's crazy. <laughs> but you're making it. If yesterday we saw what could stop a movement of God, then this evening... How can we not only see a movement of God begin, but also continue for the rest of our lives and even to the generations to come? How could that be us? If yesterday we saw how, how being commingled with the world is going to absolutely lockstep stop whatever God's doing in your life, and for some of you, especially in regards to who you marry, who you partner with, it could absolutely sideline you for the rest of your life. If we learned that yesterday and all the ways in which we could be sidelined from the work of God, well, how about tonight? Let's end on a good note, right? How can we not, not look at, well, what's going to stop it? Well, what's going to start it? And how, what if, let's just dream for a second again. How about 
what would help us to keep going, not only for my generation, but for generations to come. How could we do that? It's going to require that we purpose our hearts today for what we hope to be true tomorrow. You have to purpose in your heart today what you hope to be true tomorrow. If you would, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses. Daniel chapter 1, I'll have it on the board as well. Daniel 1, 1 through 8. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and he besieged it. And the Lord God gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs. The story is going down a bad path quick. That he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldees. Wow. Did you guys catch what was happening right there? Now, do you guys know who Nebuchadnezzar is? What, what, who he's a picture of? The Antichrist, right? He is a great picture of the Antichrist. Now, we we can see how, later on in the book of Daniel, God does a remarkable work in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. But King Nebuchadnezzar is a type or a picture of the Antichrist, and as he he takes over Israel, what happens? You you have Daniel and these other uh, uh, intelligent, scholarly, wise individuals, young men, who the Chaldeans are saying, well, we can use those, but what we understand is that all of these individuals who are captives were going to go to the, the, the master of the eunuchs, which I think we understand what that means. And I'm not trying to be crass, but, but because Nebuchadnezzar was a picture of Antichrist, and what do we know about the Antichrist? The Antichrist is always against the seed of God. And so he is trying to present, uh, prevent the holy seed of God from reproducing. Satan's always about that. He's always trying to stop the work of God. And one of the ways that he does that is through, with these guys, making them eunuchs. Another thing about a eunuch uh, is that, you know, for a man, is that they don't have all the same temptations, desires, and, and, and ways in which they might be distracted. Okay? And so... They become eunuchs so that they can continually serve the purposes of the king. You guys with me on that? And so Nebuchadnezzar, in, in, in a brilliant strategy, places all of these intelligent scholars that were from Israel into this setting. And, and really, if you read the, the latter part of that, where I, just, where I just stopped, it said, of whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. You know what they're doing? Discipleship. The world is wanting to train the church. The world is, is, is saying, listen, let's, let's bring the best and the brightest and let's, let's corrupt them. Let's put down the seed and let's make them look like us instead of us looking like the church. So please listen, verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. Sounds like a college education. That at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. 
Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. They're about to enter into this three-year program, this three-year education, which is really trying to brainwash them and make them Chaldean, that these wise individuals from Israel would actually then become an asset to Babylon. But Daniel says, he purposes in his heart. When Daniel is confronted with the world, it says he purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And guys, I hope you can get this. Daniel recognized that the sustenance of the world would not sustain him. He realized and he knew that the sustenance that was found in the world would not sustain him. And so he purposed in his heart that he would not be satisfied by even the very best that the world could offer. Guys, I hope you understand that when Nebuchadnezzar was offering them his food and his wine, guys, this was the best. And so we have to get our head around that, that that this was no dog and pony show. This was the king supreme of the entire land who had hand-selected you and was going to fatten you up so that you could be used in his kingdom to make him prosperous. Guys, listen, what Daniel was denying was the creme de la creme. It was the end all be all. And, and listen, if that was the case for most of us, sometimes I'd be like, well, I get it, I don't know. But man, we're settling for scraps and trash half the time. The world's given us garbage and we're like, okay, <laughs> eating it up. If you're gonna fall into sin, at least be impressive. <laughs> half the time we're just like, I don't know, shucks, you know. Give it a shot. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Daniel purposes in his heart that he would not be satisfied by even the best that the world could offer. It didn't matter how seemingly pleasant the king's portion was. The decision was already made. It's time for many of us that we make decisions today, now, for what will come to be tomorrow. Because there will be temptations when you get home. There will be temptations on Monday in your classes. There will be temptations from that girl, from that guy, from this job, from this opportunity. There will be temptations. You have to make the decision today, I am going to purpose in my heart today that I will not be defiled by the world any longer. Daniel was not going to be tempted with the allure of the world. And in doing so, because he had made a decision today, his appetite changed. His appetite changed. Daniel disciplined himself in such a way, his life was fashioned in such a way, that he no longer had an appetite for the things of the world. I think for so many of us, when we look at the world, we look at it with awe and with splendor, and we're so attracted to the world and all the things that it can offer. The really cool thing is, is that when you get into that book, and when you get into this church, and when you fall in love with the the Lord, and you fall in love with the people of God, when all of a sudden the world starts coming at you, you're like, ooh, you're like, no thanks, no thank you. I don't want that. Because, see, but, but see, when, when, I, when I'm not confronted with the truth and a lie opens up and comes in my life, sometimes the lie can look like a truth because I don't know the truth. Hmm, looks good. Not bad. Wow, that's impressive. The problem is, is when you are confronted and when you encounter the living God, everything in this world becomes a little less impressive. And as I spend time with God, and, 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 I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying, the world is trying to allure me with the things, all the things that I deserve and all the things that I should earn and have, man, I look at it and I kind of like, sorry, man, it's a joke. It's going to end in my death. It's going to destroy me. Daniel purposed in his heart. He disciplined himself in such a way today so that when tomorrow's temptation came, he says, 
actually, I've lost my appetite. I don't have an appetite for that any longer. Whatever that thing is, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, and God is doing that in your life right now. Whereas when you first got saved, there was all these temptations. Three months later, what's happening? What's happening? All of those temptations, you're like, I know, I can't believe I struggled with that. And I say, listen, it's okay. I get it. We just need to change your appetite. Man, you were living off junk food all your life. And for some reason, we enjoy that. Let's get on a better diet. And all of a sudden, you put yourself on the word of God, and you're starting to go to prayer services, and you're going to small group, and you're in discipleship. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, your appetite changes. And all the things that the world was offering, and man, it looked so good before. Now you're kind of going, I don't know. And you're kind of embarrassed. I can't believe I used to think that was cool. It's time you and I, it's time that we learn to stop eating everything that the world offers us. It is time that you and I, that we just, that we just stop. Just stop it. Man, it's like any time the world offers, it's like mom, have another. Okay, mom, fine. It's like, it's like that, we're, we're like that with the world. Any time the world offers us something, well, I guess I got to take it. I'm given to hospitality <laughs> or whatever, garbage. <laughs> I want to reach the lost, a bridge. <laughs> ah, you just keep letting the world feed you, man. Guys, it's time that you and I, we stop just eating everything that the world offers us. And here's the thing, what's funny about this is that when you go to church and your pastors say something, a lot of times we're like, I don't know. But the world says the, says the most outlandish thing. We're like, well, that's interesting. You laugh, but you know it's true. Sam says something that challenges you. It challenges your secular humanist worldview. And all of a sudden, you're kind of getting backed up because you kind of liked this Christian thing. But all of a sudden, there's some things that are being said. Brandon says something in the pulpit, and you're feeling like you're getting backed up. And you're starting to think, man, I don't know about this. And the moment the world says some kind of nonsense, you're like, that makes sense. Guys, we got to stop eating everything the world offers us. We must come to the place where we realize that the offerings of the world will never satisfy, where the daily temptations have lost their luster in the presence of God. The temptations, the desires, the things that used to wow you completely, now you're just looking at them and you're saying, in the presence of God, man, it just doesn't measure up. Simply put, we need our appetite to change. So what do you tell a room full of future missionaries, future pastors and church planters, deacons and small group leaders and disciplers, faithful men and women in the body of Christ? What do you tell a room full of people who are about to change the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You want to know what I want to tell you? I would tell them to watch what they eat. Watch what you eat. What are you right now putting into your life? What are you putting into your life? What are you filling your life with? It's time we stop just allowing the world to continue to feed us. And it's time that we begin to watch what we're eating. Is it life-giving? Are you establishing habits today that will fuel you for tomorrow? It is, the, uh, it is of the utmost importance that you create a proper diet now that we would learn to eat properly now if we want to be able to feed others later. You have to learn how to start eating properly now of the word of God. You need to start learning how to be a part of the ministry of God now if you're going to be used to lead others later. If you don't begin establishing those right habits today, tomorrow will not be the day in which you are used to lead others also. 
If you want to feed others later, you have to begin establishing right, proper diet and exercise now. Number two, secondly, what do you say to a room full of missionaries, pastors, and church planners? I would say find good friends. Find good friends. Friends who will keep you accountable. Friends that you have for over 20 years. And every time you see them, you're just rejoicing to hear what God is doing in their life. And you can't wait to hear what God is doing because you know it's going to be good. Even if it's hard, you know God's at work. Find good friends. Find good friends. Friends who are going to keep you accountable. In Daniel chapter 3, Daniel's three friends were found in a difficult spot. It appeared as if their lives were over. They were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. What do you do? What do you say on their worst day? On the worst day of your life? What, what, what would you say? Daniel 3, 16 and 18. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Any questions? If I were to continue reading, Nebuchadnezzar gets so hot and so angry at their response that he actually increases the heat of the furnace sevenfold, so much so that one of the individuals who was feeding the flame is killed. Man, they stuck it to him. Daniel had friends who had already purposed in their hearts that they were not going to bow down to the king of this world no matter what. You want friends like that in the ministry. You'll need friends like that in the ministry. Where, where, where turning back is not an option. Where you know that this person is going to have your back through thick and thin. And we are going to charge hell with our squirt guns. We're ready. And you know that that individual will be with you. Lockstep. Find good friends. So consider who your friends are now. Who are the individuals that you spend time with now? Who is sharpening you? Who is challenging you? Listen, this might sound, that, 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 that point, find good friends, it might sound kind of cheesy. It might sound uh, uh, too simple. I'll tell you guys this, it's so important. You gotta find good friends. The great thing is, is we're sitting in a room full of people who I know love the Lord and wanna serve him. Let's link arms together. And let's link arms with people who are, who are serious about the mission. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. For some of you, it may be that tonight you need to make some decisions regarding the people that you call your friends. Some of you guys need to right now make a decision that you're no longer going to be commingled with the world, that you're going to consecrate your life tonight to be about God's holy commission. It could be tonight, if you're going to be in that future group of pastors, of leaders, of missionaries, that you need to right now start over. And you need to do it with some new friends. Third, I'd say let's talk about Lot. Let's talk about Lot. What do, you, what, do you, what do you say to a room full of missionaries, pastors, and church planners? What do you say? Let's talk about Lot. Lot was near Abraham. He was the nephew of Abraham. He loved Abraham. Do you guys believe that Lot loved Abraham? I absolutely believe he did. Loved him. Thankful for him. But because of what Lot saw, because it looked like the world had a better offer, because it looked as if the world had a better offer for Lot, he was willing to walk away from the man of God. Genesis 13, 5 through 10. 
And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now pay attention. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zohar. You're like, well, Dan, I mean, if you read that, I get it. Like, Abraham was the one who told Lot to leave. Wasn't that Abraham who, who told Lot to leave? Listen, that's true. But if I were Lot, mind you that this is Genesis 13, what happens in Genesis 12? God makes a covenant with Abram. In Genesis 12, God makes a covenant with Abram. And so God has already spoke his covenant to Abraham. And so if I'm Lot... I'm, t- I'm telling Abraham, now listen, uh, Abraham, we're just going to have to make it work. I'm going to have to sit down with my herdmen. We're just going to have to make this work right now, uncle. I know that God has his hand on your life, and I want to be in that plan. Now listen, I get it, I get it, you know, like, it was out of Abraham's seed where we have Isaac. Isaac was the, was the promised seed. We all know that story, right? And so, so Lot wasn't the chosen seed. It was Isaac. But do you guys see what could have happened? Do you guys see how Lot's life could have been changed forever if instead of him listening to even Abram's words in Genesis 13, if he told Abram, listen, I get it, and we're having some issues, but let's work it out. Because I know that God has his hand on your life. And I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Can't you imagine what would happen if, 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 Lot, when, if Lot was there on the ground floor before Isaac was ever born? Can't you hear the stories where Lot is going, hey guys, I got a story for you. Let me tell you the story of Abram and Sarah and then how God changed his name. And then, man, they had a little mess up where they had then Ishmael and we saw the problems of that. But guys, let me tell you, let me tell you, then God brought us Isaac. Lot could have been a part of the ministry of God. And yet because he set his eyes on the world, he abandoned the man of God when the man of God gave him an exit ramp. And don't you know that Jesus Christ did the very same thing for us? Are you guys also going to leave? God's going to give you the exit ramp. The question is, are you going to take it? Lot should have said, no thank you. Listen, I'm going to talk to my guys right now. I get it, we're getting big, but we can figure out a way to where I can be situated here, you can be situated here, and I want to make sure that we have monthly conversations where I'm hearing how God is moving in your life. What a life Lot could have had. How amazing. He could have been there on the ground floor. He could have been telling stories. And guys, here's the, here's the craziest thing. What did God want to do with the promised seed? Out of you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. How cool would it be if Lot could have been in that? Lot was, was, was family with Abraham. Lot could have tagged along and said, I'm going in for this ride. And then when all of a sudden he sees how God is moving in Isaac's life, Lot could have been an older brother. Lot could have been an uncle. Lot could have been in the work of God. And this is the craziest thought. Maybe at some point, Lot could have been sent. Uh Uh-oh. You see, now this is coming back to us. What if we would be willing to stay close to the man of God? What if we would be willing to stay close to your discipler? 
to stay close to your small group leader? What if you were willing, instead of chasing after the world, you're saying, listen, I know you said that, but I'm sticking right next to you because I want to be a part of this when this thing goes down. What if Lot then, after he grew and, and, and spiritually and no longer was looking with his carnal eyes as he understood how to follow Abraham who had faith in God, what if Lot learned to have, have faith and then at some point as God was beginning to use this family, what if Lot was sent to Sodom instead of going to Sodom? What if Lot was sent to Sodom because we know that God wanted to use Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God wanted to use Israel to bless the entire world. What if Lot got on the ground floor and he was one of the individuals that was sent to different cities to say, listen, I gotta tell you about the living God. Instead of the sucker who was at the gate allowing his own children to be lost to the world. God could have used Lot to rock the nations for the glory of God. And yet he let his eyes be led by the world. The world's always going to be pulling you away from the man of God. Heck, even the man of God will give you opportunities to walk away. But during those seasons, you need to learn to be resolute no matter the strife, no matter the conflict, and stay near his side, to stay near her side, to learn of him, to learn of her, whoever God has placed in your life, to grow with this individual so that at some point in God's timing, you can be sent out to with God's blessings and not your own selfish desires. So what's our advice from Lot? Don't take the exit ramp. Even when it gets hard. Even when the ministry is tough, when you get married or when you have kids, even when you get that first real career job, don't take the exit ramp. Don't listen to the lies of the world. Stay near the man of God. Lot didn't have spiritual vision. His eyes were on the wrong things. And so the moment the world seemingly offered him a better deal, he was gone. And unfortunately, it ended up costing him everything. Instead of staying the course, he was seduced by the things of this world. And likewise, for you and I to be consecrated to the mission, it's going to require our understanding that the mission is all that matters. It is going to require us at some point to where we realize nothing else matters in this life. The mission is all that matters. What could we say about Joseph, whose own personal sufferings positioned him to bring salvation to the world? Are you willing to suffer the loss of all things to actually welcome suffering if it means the salvation, that salvation can be found in the lives of those you love? Or of Moses, whose own countrymen hated him, who felt despised and alone, yet was known as God's friend, and that was enough just to be close to God, and Moses was sufficed. What could we say of the young Israelite girl who served Naaman the Syrian? Despite being kidnapped and captured by the Syrians, she loved her enemy, so much so that she desired for her enemy to be made whole. Wow. As I just want to close with saying one more thing as we just... Shut it all down. You got to know this, that your obedience to God will always trump your performance. Tonight, let's choose to be obedient. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would use this evening for the furtherance of your glory that you would do a work even in us right now that decisions would be made, that we would not tarry. Oh God, please, if you would, rise up in this place even right now an army of soldiers who would be willing to give their lives to the cause of Christ. God, I love you. I'm so thankful for what you are doing here. I ask that you move, and I pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. 
that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.